they invaded Israel. And it was at this time that the priest wrote this particular psalm. So you can imagine the scenario. He, he, the, the Assyrians have invaded. They're occupying Israel. There's rape and pillage going on. Their crops are being torched. All manner of terrible things. A lot worse than being in the Ukraine at the moment under R Russian occupation. And so you wonder, what, what would this priest be praying for? What would he be asking for? What would be the deepest expression of his heart? Would it be for protection? Would it be for provision? What would it be? And this is what he says. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. He wants to go to the temple. Because it's in the temple where God's presence was. God chose at that time to be enthroned in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy, Holy of Holies, in the temple in Jerusalem. And if you wanted to go into the presence of God, then that's where you went. You went there and he couldn't go because the Assyrians were occupying the land. So he says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs. So that immaterial part of him longs to be there. Then he says, faints for the courts of the Lord. Then he says, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. He's got this longing from right from the immaterial part of himself through to the flesh, to his body. He longs every part of him to be there. He says, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. In other words, he wants to be like a bird because the bird can make a nest right there close to the altar and that's where he wants to be. He goes on to say, um, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praises. So, there's occupying troops in the streets. It's an awful situation to be under. But the one thing that he really needs, the one thing that he really longs for, is to be in the presence of God. Isn't that interesting? This is one of those things that he wants to have central in his life, to be in the presence of God. Once he's in the presence of God, it's as if everything else falls into place. And so we really battle to know what is good for us because intuitively we would want all sorts of other things under those circumstances. Do we really know what we need? Just have a look at Isaiah 55 verse 8. It says there, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is this infinite gap between what we think is right, what we think is wrong, what we think is good, what we think is bad, and what God does. There is this massive gap. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts and so high are my ways above your ways. In other words, we need this revelation of God to us to tell us what it is that we really need in life. So there's a whole lot of gravel in there. And you can imagine that that gravel is all the things that you have and need to 
want to fit into your life, things that you think that you need. And then there's things that you really need, things that are really important, things that are the main thing that you should be keeping the main thing, but maybe you aren't. What tends to happen is we fill our lives up with all these small things, and then we try and fit the big things in, and we battle. You can't see that because it's behind, but you can't, you can't fit it all in. But if you were to do things the other way around, <laughs> so being in the presence of God, remaining in God's love. <laughs> I'm not sure what that other one is. We're going to discover as we go along in the sermon today. <laughs> and then we put these other things in. Shake, shake, shake. Okay, if you just shake that up. That's it. Well done. <laughs> then the smaller things fit around the big things, but if we don't get the big things in place, then often we don't get them at all. So that's just something that I wanted to illustrate to you, and I wanted you to take it away. I mean, so, for example, we, we think that, that exercise and having a slim, trim body is something that we really need in life, something that's really important. Just have a look at this, 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. It says... He's, he's talking to Timothy, he says, if you put these things before the brothers, and he's talking about biblical truth, good teaching, good doctrine. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. You have, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So you can just see there, there's an example from the Word of God about how we might value personal health and fitness. Some people go to incredible lengths, incredible expense to be healthy and fit and well. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we do want to fit that in our lives. But we don't want to do it at the expense of things that are really important. And so in that scripture that we saw about my ways being higher than your ways, Isaiah then goes on to talk about the Word of God. And so we need God's revelation to us through the Word of God primarily to tell us what it is that we really need. Because intuitively, we get it wrong as human beings. So what is it that we do need? And I'd like to have a look at this now today from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. He says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
What is the day? He's talking about the day of the Lord, the day when Christ will return. And it'll also be the day of judgment as well. And he's saying, live in the light of that. And for all of us, you can imagine when this was written 2,000 years ago, that we're a lot closer to that day than they were. And yet he's still giving that advice to them. And it's the same advice that he's giving us today. Let's meet together. Let's encourage one another. Let's spend time together, even as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So we need to meet. But what does meeting consist of according to the Bible? So let's have a look at that. And that's what we're going to zoom in on now for the rest of this preach. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It'll be up there, but you're also welcome to turn to it in your Bibles. I notice a lot of people are a bit like me, um, horse throats, uh, coughing. <laughs> so I'm battling a little bit with my voice this morning, but I'm sure we'll get there. So let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to, proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So we, we can see in there the kind of ingredients that we need to have when we spend time together, when we meet together. And remember, this is in the context of our vision for life groups. So what is it that we want to happen as we meet together? The, f the first thing that we noticed there is that they met together in the temple. So that was a large gathering, a bit like what we're doing here today. So there was a large gathering in the temple, and then they also met together in their homes. And so what God's Word is telling us is that it's important to have both. It's important to meet in our homes in smaller groups, and it's also important to have celebrations like this on a Sunday when we're all together. Then the first thing that they do, did was they had fellowship together. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Do you see that? And then he gives this little picture of in a sense, the essence of fellowship, a little bit further down. He says, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And that for me is just a picture of what fellowship is. If I, if I think of fellowship, the, the best kind of fellowship, I think of um, a family lunch on a Sunday, or I think of a meal on Christmas Day. That, that's sort of like the essence of being together, isn't it? That's the essence of fellowship. And so what he's saying here is let's spend time together. Let's enjoy the kind of things that we enjoy when we have a meal together. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to have a meal every time, but that's there to show us the quality of fellowship that we need to enjoy with one another. You know, if you've got something against somebody else, it's very difficult to sit down and have a meal with them, isn't it? It's, it's hard. And so we want to have that kind of fellowship in our homes and also as we meet in our home from home here on a Sunday. Then the next thing 
is that they shared the Lord's Supper. Do you see it there in verse 42? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We've talked about fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So what we're talking about there is sharing the Lord's Supper with us. And, you know, if you haven't been in the faith for a long time, this was something that Jesus instituted. He said, I want you to remember what I did for you on the cross by eating bread and drinking wine. And he said that the bread is a symbol of his body that was broken for us, that makes it possible for us to come into the presence of God. And the wine is a symbol of his blood. And so it's a very special thing for us, even if it's just in your basic family unit. I would encourage you to do that from time to time, to break bread with one another and to, to remember what the Lord has done for you. And then also in our small home groups, in our life groups, we do that as well. And you don't have to be especially qualified for this. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a priest. Jesus said, just do this in remembrance of me. And so you break the bread and you say a little prayer and you say thank you. Lord Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken on the cross instead of my body being broken there and drink and eat and so on. And so sharing the Lord's Supper. Let's move on to the next one, to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and to prayer as well. You know, it's, it's one thing praying for one another in a big group like this, but there's something very special about praying in a small group with people that you meet with regularly. And that's so important. And I think it's something that we, we gained during the COVID period when we broke into smaller sites. We were able to spend time praying for one another in a way that we couldn't in a big service like this. And so we're wanting to retain that. We want to take that learning forward by making sure that we have good home group, life group structures so that people can pray for one another. You know, it's prayer that makes a difference. It's prayer that causes things to happen that would not otherwise have happened if we hadn't prayed. God partners with us in our prayer. It's, it's wonderful. I, I just think of right in the beginning in Genesis when it starts talking um, about the, the, the people of God. And it, and it says people started crying out to God. That was sort of like the essence of how our faith started. It was people crying out to God. And that's what prayer is. We become known as people who pray. And then there's love. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In the same way that having a meal together represents fellowship, I believe that, that, that Luke, when he was writing this, took that selling of possessions to help people who have need as being representative of love. That's, what, that's the, the kind of people that we need to be. And remember we said last week that um, Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so there's a direct link between love and giving. And so in our life groups, we get to know people and we get to know what they're going through, and we love them. 
Sometimes, unfortunately, we don't necessarily like them. <laughs> Sometimes there can be a little bit of friction in life groups. But that doesn't matter because our main intention is for the good of the other person. If you desire the good of the other person, that's what love looks like. And if you then act in accordance with that, because remember that love is a commitment expressed in action. If you then act for their good, then you're showing love to them. And that's what we want to have in our life groups. Um, we talked about it last week that our value, one of our values here at Harvest is love. And it's, love is, is not an emotion. It's a commitment expressed in action. It's something that we do for other people. And so obviously what was happening here was there was quite a spread of, of wealth and socioeconomic standing. And so some people had need and others had an abundance. There's another place in Corinthians where Paul is talking about giving. And he says, sometimes God will give you an abundance in your harvest so that you can make up for the lack in another person's harvest. Because in life, we go through different seasons. There's times in life when we're harvesting a lot, but there's other times when we aren't. And don't forget that in those times when you're harvesting a lot, it could be that God is putting that abundance in your hands for someone else to help them out. And so we have fellowship in our life groups. We share the Lord's Supper together. We pray with one another. We love one another. That's expressed in action. And then we also devote ourselves to the Word. Let's have a look at that in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see, at, at that time, the apostles had spent time with Jesus and so they knew what the truth was. And they were teaching that truth. And they actually went on to record it. It's recorded for us in the Bible. So in the Gospels, the words of Jesus are recorded. And then also in the letters, the, the disciples with the Holy Spirit superintending over them, helping them, assisting them, they wrote the inspired word of God to the different churches. And people devoted themselves to that teaching. They became students of that teaching. We, we talked recently in, in Romans chapter 6, where Paul says to the Romans, he says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Isn't it interesting that the standard of teaching wasn't committed to them or given to them? They were given to the standard of teaching. And so one of the things that we desperately need as Christians is to become readers of the Word of God, students of the Word of God. We need to become devoted to what is contained for us in the Bible. Because remember, it says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. If you want to find out what God's thoughts are, then we look to the Word of God. We find out in the Bible what it says. And so when you come to life group on a Wednesday or a Thursday evening, you know, often we don't want to dedicate ourselves to the Word. We'd much rather just have a cup of tea and a chat. Um, but, you know, we do need that fellowship, obviously. 
but we also need to study the Word together. Because I can assure you that when you study the Word with other Christians, and when it's been facilitated by someone who has the gift of teaching, then we really get to grips with what the Word of God is saying to us. That's, that's how we find out what God wants for us. And so we may feel tired at the end of the day. We may not want to go to life group. But I can assure you that it's one of those big, one of those big rocks that needs to be in place first so that everything else can come around it. Let's move on. Isaiah 55, verse 10. So um, Paul has just said, I beg your pardon, Isaiah has just said that God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Then he introduces this idea of the word of God. And he says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth. This, this is fascinating, folks. This ancient writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about the water cycle, which has probably only really been discovered fairly recently. The water cycle teaches, or from it we learn, that there is a fixed amount of water in the earth's system, in the terrestrial system. It's not created and it's not destroyed. It looks like it's being created, for example, when it's coming down in rain, but it's simply changing its form. So what happens with the water cycle is you have surface water, and water evaporates from that as gas. Um, you have water in the soil. It's pumped out of the soil by trees, and then through transpiration it gets sent into the atmosphere. All of that water, which is now in a gaseous form, condenses into clouds, and then it rains someplace else. It's fascinating. I often think about the fact that maybe there's a drop of water in here that at one time was glistening on the end of a polar bear's whisker. <laughs> Can you imagine? It really could have happened. Who knows where that water has been and where it's come from. But you know, in the process of going through that cycle, that drop of water could have irrigated a mealy plant that produced a cob that I could eat. And so this is what God is saying. I mean, it's just mind-blowing when you think that all of this that we see around us, all of these plants are watered by water that's going through that water cycle. And what Isaiah is saying to us here is that's what the Word of God is like. That's what the Word of God is like. It, it goes and it produces stuff. It changes things. It's vibrant. It's, it gives energy. Just look at it, what it says here. For the rain, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, so there's the cycle, making it bring forth and sprout. But look at this abundance. It says giving seed to the sower. So there's enough to put aside for next year so that we can plant for next year. And bread to the eater. There's enough to eat now. Then he says, in the same way, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So, folks, we're going to be making a huge effort 
And it's a good opportunity to do it because in a sense, as a church, we're making a new start. We've all come back together. We're reevaluating things. We're reassessing things. Um, we're wanting to get more and more people involved in service. That's one of our priorities. But then the other priority is to make sure that we get our life groups going and thriving, absolutely thriving. And the reason is because God has given us through his word a mandate to do that. He's shown us what really works for us. He's shown us what the big rock is that we need to get in place. And so we're going to be pushing for that um, right from the start. And remember, often you won't feel like what you need now is to go to life group. <laughs> often what you feel like you need now is to watch a replay of the rugby on the weekend. You can tell what I think gives me life. <laughs> and sometimes it really does. Um, but it's not the thing. It does energize me, doesn't it, love, when I watch the rugby? Yeah. So we go to, we go to life group. In the last week of September, um, we're going to be starting life groups, um, in a sense, again, making a new start. One of the things that we're going to be doing is that Trevor and I are going to be preparing teaching videos that can be used in those life groups. And it's a way of devoting ourselves to, to the Bible. Why not use people who have the gift of teaching, and then once you've listened to that teaching, spend time discussing it, trying to figure out what it looks like in your context. How are you going to apply it in your life? And of course, it'll be a part of those other things that we've been talking about as well, prayer and fellowship and love and all of those other good things. Let's, let's just spend a moment in prayer. Father God, help us to keep the main things, the main things in our lives. We, we just confess that, that as human beings, we are very sheep-like. We, we do tend to run around and get into chaos and, and, and into a bit of a panic. Um, and we do so desperately need to keep coming back to you to find out what is really important in life and, and to concentrate on those things. And Father, as a church, we, 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 we want to be people who are hungry for your word. And we thank you that you've given your Holy Spirit to be inside of us so that when we read your word, you can make it alive to us. Um, you can use it to change us. We, we think of those two men who were walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus as he was explaining the Old Testament scriptures to them. And they, afterwards they said, man, our hearts were burning inside of us. That's what we want, Father. We, as we come to, to your word, whether it's individually or corporately, um, in, a, in a life group or here on a Sunday, we, we just want to feel that burning in our hearts, which comes from the Holy Spirit just helping us to, to, get, it, to get in touch with what you want to say to us. And so just lead us and guide us, Father God, we ask, um, in the weeks ahead. Lord, help us to develop a real passion and a hunger for you and, and to feed it with our study of the word, with our love for one another. Um, we know that, that you say that you, you, you dwell amongst us when we love one another. Um, help us as we, as we have fellowship. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.